are so thankful that you are here. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. While you're turning, uh, I want to remind everyone that you're welcome uh, to join uh, the reception, Caleb and Taylor, at the PVK Hall in Robertsdale at 2 o'clock on Friday. They're going to be having just a, a small uh, family-only uh, ceremony, but uh, there is going to be a public reception at 2 o'clock in Robertsdale at PZK, and uh, everyone is invited to attend that. And uh, I know that it would be a blessing for their church family to be there to support them. So we would love to see you there. In Ephesians chapter number 6 uh, is where we're going to take our text. Very familiar passage. going to read one verse and the first two words of, of verse number 14. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he admonishes them. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. He told them, he said, You're going to face evil days. You're going to face hard days. You're going to face difficult days. There's no sugarcoating that. We all experience hard days, but Paul said, whatever it takes for you to stand, make sure you do it. Make sure you stand. Stand, therefore. Uh, the Lord's burdened my heart late last night and today just on this thought, amen, that he's given us. What will it take, or excuse me, what it will take for you to be able to stand? What it will take for you to be able to stand. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. So thankful for the privilege that we have to be in your house, God, to, to be in your presence, but most of all for your presence to be alive on the inside of us. God, I know that it's been different tonight, but oh Lord, you're, you're the same. You're the constant. You never change. And I thank you for your spirit and your presence that we have been made to feel. I'm asking now, oh God, for the liberty of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me, oh God, as you have burned us into my spirit. I pray, God, that you would give me an anointing to deliver it. God, give me an anointing to say every word that you would have me to say. God, give me an anointing to keep my mouth shut to not say one thing more. I pray that it would be your words flowing through us tonight. And God, we're going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen and amen. What it will take for you to be able to stand. Amen. Paul was writing to the church, as we mentioned, there's going to be difficult days. There's going to be hard days. And we're seeing that there's evil in the present day that, that we are living in. But Paul said no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what evil comes against us, stands in front of us, surrounds us, to just stand. One of the, the most spiritual things that we can do sometimes is to simply stand. To simply stand. There's times when we shout, when we run, and thank God for those emotions and thank God for the feelings that we have in Christ. I love being able to feel, amen, uh, who I'm worshiping. I love to be able to feel the presence of the Lord. But, amen, what, uh, what are we when the shout is over with? Amen, what are we when the, the shout is gone? What are we when we're facing an evil world and there's, there seems to be nothing apparently to, to shout about? What are, what, how are we going to respond in the lean times? Amen. That's, that's, a, that's a question for us. How are we going to, to be able to stand as the Lord has, has dealt with my heart? There's three things I believe that it's going to take for us to be able to stand in this last day and in this last generation. Number one, if we're going to stand and we are going to fulfill the commandments of Christ, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage to stand for what is right. Brother Clendenin said this, it takes more courage to stand for what's right than it does to fight a war. It takes more courage to look hell right in the eyes and not bend a knee of compromise and to not turn around and to not go back. Amen. Right. I we can all say that and acknowledge that we are living in truly an ungodly hour. But if we're going to face this ungodly hour undaunted and head on, it's going to take a courageous group of believers. Amen. I believe with all of my heart, God wants His church to be courageous and not to be cowards. Amen. There's enough. 
Amen. Uh, that uh, have that mentality of, of bending to every whim of, of doctrine, of, of, of bowing their knees, of compromise to everything that comes down the pipe. But God doesn't want us to be spiritual cowards and weaklings. God wants us to stand and be bold and to be courageous. Amen. If you were to look up uh, that definition of courageous in the Greek, it means to be strong, to be brave, or to be bold. It means to, to strengthen, to secure, to harden, to make firm, to make obstinate and assured. It means to exhibit strength, to feel strong, and to become strong. I mean, as we look at those characteristics and those, the Greek definitions of the, that word, weakness is nowhere to be found. Cowardice is nowhere to be found. I'm reminded of the song, uh, keep on the fire, uh, the, uh, the fire line a coward. Amen. We'll have no place. Keep on the firing line. Amen. As we look at this word courage, amen, the Lord dropped this in my heart. Amen. The courage, as we look at it, amen, we think that uh, to be courage, uh, courageous and to exhibit courage is one that's not afraid of anything. But that is not the, the case. Courage is not the absence of fear. But courage is when one realizes that the cause that they are fighting for is greater than the fear that they experience. When we realize that we have a cause that we're fighting for that's greater than ourselves, that's greater than what we feel, than, uh, is greater than what we faced David when he was facing Goliath. We know that David was a, a ruddy lad. He was a young lad, uh, just a, a young boy, a teenager. He's facing, as he's running to deliver the goods to his brothers, he sees Goliath off in the distance, a champion of Gath, who some commentaries say was as high as 9 to 13 feet tall. That would be a daunting task for a 6 foot man that's, that's on up in age, let alone a teenager boy that's just a lad, that's ruddy. But when he looks at the children of Israel as they're cowering down to Goliath, he asks them the question, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? No doubt, uh, David, is, he sees Goliath. Uh, he knows physically that he's no match for Goliath. But he knows the God on the inside of him is greater than the devil that's opposing him. Amen. He knows that God within him is greater than the opposition that he's facing. His heart uh, might have fluttered a little bit when he faced Goliath. You see, fear is a natural human reaction and an emotion, the thing that we cannot control. Amen. But David, in that moment, when he faced fear head on, he realized that the cause that he was fighting for, that the God that his faith and assurance was in, was greater than the fear that gripped his heart at that moment in time. And you know the rest of the story. Amen. He fought fear head on. He faced Goliath and he was able to overcome. Amen. That took courage and that took courage, being courageous. But I cannot I tell you it's going to take just as much courage for the church in this hour to face our spiritual Goliath as it did for David all of those years ago to physically fight the battle it's the same devil it's the same enemy it's the same giant I mean we can't cower down like the rest of the children of Israel but let it be a cry as it was in David's life is there not a cause I mean sure there may be moments of fear and trouble Amen. But we must realize uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Uh, but it's when we realize the cause we're fighting for uh, is greater than the spirit of fear uh, that would come against us. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, uh, but of power uh, and of love uh, and of a sound mind. Uh, amen. None of that uh, equates to cowardness, uh, but all of us gives us a reason to be bold and courageous. When God was talking to Joshua, no doubt he gets the, uh, the, the report of the people that the giants in the land are great. We are but grasshoppers in their sight. Many people were fearful, but God issues the command to Joshua, be bold and courageous. As I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with thee. Amen. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. He is not changing and He never will change. If He was that with Joshua, if He was that with David, He will be that for us. Amen. We must not be fearful and unbelieving, but we must stand courageous. 
going to take courage to stand. Now as we dive down into this, there's two different types of fear. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house. We look at Noah as a giant in the faith. But the Bible says that when he received the command of God, being warned of God, he moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. But when you look in Revelations 21 and 8, Brother Daniel brought this out the other night, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God puts the fearful and unbelieving in the same category as murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, and idolaters. So as we look at this, we can ask the question, why is Noah in the chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11 when he moved with fear? But yet in Revelations 21, the fearful are thrown into the lake of fire forever and forever. You see, there's a difference in these types of fear. The Bible says that Noah moved with fear. It did not say that Noah was moved by fear. There's a difference in moving with fear and being moved by fear. You see, when Noah, no doubt fears, he saw God told him a flood is going to come to build an ark of, of gopher wood. When Noah saw this, when God revealed this in the heart, sure, he was fearful. But faith never calls Noah to doubt. You see, his fear calls Noah to move. You see, the, the, the difference between Noah moving with fear and the fears in Revelations 21 and 8, he moved with fear but not by fear. Fear prompted Noah to respond in faith to build an ark. Those that are cast into the lake of fire are controlled by their fear. Amen. In doubt, and they, uh, they are, are controlled by a spirit of unbelief. Uh, you see, to say that you will never experience fear is unhuman. Fear is uh, a natural reaction and response uh, to anything that we cannot control. Uh, but when those times come, uh, beloved, faith must be greater than our fear. Uh, amen. I can be fearful over what I see, uh, but that fear must never override my faith. Uh, for the courageous, our faith uh, must be greater than our fear. Listen, it's scary when we see socialism gripping our country. It's scary when we realize that if the money machines in Washington ran out of ink, amen, we're in a depression overnight that's not going to just grip the country but will grip the world. Amen, as globalism, amen, is taken over on a great scale. It's fearful when I see what liberal ideology is being pushed on our children and grandchildren. It's scary, amen, when I see what's happening in our country and in our justice system. Amen. But when I see those things, I must not be moved by fear. Amen. I must be moved by faith. Hallelujah. To not doubt the promises of God. To not doubt that He's Jehovah Jireh. Amen. That He's Jehovah Rapha. That He's Jehovah Nisi. To not doubt that He's able to bring us through and to bring us out. But when we see these fearful things, we like Noah should be moved. Amen. To respond in faith to the fear that we experience. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a difference in being controlled by fear and moving with fear. Amen. And that is our fear must never override our faith. Courage. It's going to take it to stand. Man, I, I remember in January being as sick as I was in and out of the hospital. When I looked at the, the, the doctor and the doctor's reports, it wasn't good. He throws out the word, very concerned about lymphoma, asked all of these laundry list of questions. And uh, every time I would respond, just say, hmm, raises eyebrows and just concerned and said, 
I'm very concerned the, the size of the mass, the characteristics of it that you have in your neck. He says, on, on the ultrasound, doesn't look like an abscess that I've seen. He said, I, I've seen this before. It looks has very similar characteristics to lymphoma. Have you lost weight? Yep, dropped 20 pounds. Uh, different things, the pain he was describing, everything along those lines. He said, I'm, I'm very concerned that this is uh, some type of cancerous tumor, lymphoma. So the only way that I can be able to know for sure is to go in and lay eyes on it. And man, I, I'm a big guy. I like to consider myself a masculine man. But I can tell you that shook me to the core. I would be lying if I didn't tell you I wasn't afraid. I would be lying if I didn't tell you that that was not a, a fearful time. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that, amen, tears welled up in my eyes. I lost my dad at 46. All of a sudden, the devil starts playing with your mind. I don't want to leave my kids at 34. Man, I, very scary time. That night, I had people calling me from all over. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. And I just had to shut it all down. And go to God in prayer. Afraid? You better believe it. But you see, it never caused me to doubt one time that God was not my healer. It never caused me to, to be shaken in the faith one bit. As a matter of fact, it moved me to draw closer to God in prayer. Amen. To shut the door and get along with God. A long period of time went by. Amen. I told my wife, don't hold the calls. I just want to talk to God. I didn't get an answer that night that everything was going to be okay. But I did get the assurance that He was God. And that He's able to keep that which we commit unto His hand even against that day. Amen. I left the prayer closet that night knowing that I was in the hand of God. I mean, I went into uh, surgery that next morning. And man, I was a grown man, but I wanted my wife there. By the time I got there, they wheeled me right in due to COVID restrictions. I got to see her for about 30 seconds. And to just know that she was there and to hear the words, I love you, and I'm praying for you. Amen. That meant absolutely the world, knowing I had her there. Went to, to see the doctor in pre-op, and I kind of built up in faith, had the assurance I'm in the, the hands of God, and he starts talking and he's talking more gloom and doom than he did the day before. And man, I just felt kind of myself shrinking down, that, that heavy load coming back on me all over again. But I was reminded of the assurance that God gave me that night and uh, in prayer, went into uh, surgery going into it. He said, if it's uh, some type of abscess or infection, he said, your tonsils are so enlarged, we'll remove the abscess, we will remove the, the tonsils. He said, but if I get in and it looks any suspicious at all, I'm going to hop right back out. He said, I'm not going to do anything. We'll get a biopsy. We'll uh, get you over to an oncologist and, and he'll, uh, he'll take things from there. And uh, went in to surgery. Tears welled up in my eyes just praying. Amen. Thanking God for His assurance. I, I will, came out of surgery. I, it, it just seems like it's a millisecond when you're under anesthesia and you come out so my first thought was it hadn't been but a minute it's not good but I started coughing and my throat hurt like crazy amen and I, I, I asked the nurse I said what did they do to me she looked at me like I was crazy I said what, what did they do to me she said we took your tonsils out and removed an abscess amen I just threw my hands up toward heaven and started crying Amen, right there. They probably thought it was the anesthesia. Amen, talking, but I can tell you it was a heart of thanksgiving and praise. What I was fearful and scared. Lymphoma, that'll shake any man to the core. Amen, but God brought me through. Amen, it was a, a large abscess the size of an egg. Amen, God was able to take care of. But the, the point of it is, in that season of fear, yes, I was afraid. Yes, I was fearful, but it never diminished faith, beloved. Amen, and it is unhuman for me to stand here and tell you in times of opposition to not be afraid. That is a natural response, but never 
never let that fear override your faith. Amen. Never allow that fear to override your faith in God. Faith demands courage. Courage to believe God over the doctor's reports. Courage to wait on God despite the mounting bills. Courage to say with Job, though he may slay me yet, will I trust him. Courage to look at the world and proclaim this world is not my home. I am but a pilgrim and a stranger passing through seeking a city which is to come whose builder and maker is the Lord. Amen. It is going to take courage for us to stand. But if we stand, we have the assurance that God is standing with us and God is standing for us. Amen. We just have to have, to have the courage to do our part and to stand. Amen. I love this. When Stephen was being stoned. You know the story very well. The book of Acts. As he is stoned for the faith. It took courage to look death right in the face. And say I'm going to believe God anyways. Amen. But he, we see a great revelation of the Lord here. You see in, in Revelation chapter number 6. When Isaiah. He saw the Lord. The Bible says that he was high and lifted up. But he was sitting on the throne. In John's account, when John saw the Lord, amen, he was sitting on the throne. But when Stephen stood and had the courage to look a religious system in the right in the eyes, the same religious crowd that crucified Christ, when he was looking death right in the eyes, he saw the heavens were opened and the Son of God was standing at the right hand of the Father. Amen. God spoke to my heart years ago and said, when you stand up for God, I will stand up for you when you have the courage and you've done all to stand and you stand. I'm not just going to sit on my laurels. Amen. I'm going to stand with you and I, amen, I'm going to stand for you. Amen. When we do our part and we prove our faithfulness to God, God will time and again prove His faithfulness to us when we do our part to stand for Him. Hallelujah, beloved. He will do His part and stand for us. It's going to take courage to stand. But we have the assurance that He's standing with us and for us. Number two, not only is it going to take courage, it's going to take commitment. The agreement. Our pledge to do something in the future or something pledged. The state or an insurance of being obligated or emotionally impaled to a cause or to a commitment. That's what the word commitment means in Webster's Dictionary. The greatest act of commitment that we know this side of heaven in the flesh is the act that's going to take place on Friday when a man and a woman is joined together in holy matrimony. They commit themselves to each other. They make vows before God that in sickness and in health, and when I'm rich, when I'm poor, in good times and bad, I'm committing myself to you. Amen. All my worldly goods, all that I am, all that is mine is yours, and all that yours is mine. That's what commitment is about. And we know the, what the, 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 the sacredness of those bonds. And we know as we pledge ourselves to our spouse, we know how that is viewed in God's eyes. The Bible says that it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Those bonds are viewed highly in the eyes of God. But if we're that committed to our spouses, how much more should we commit ourselves to our God? Because I love my wife. She's not here and I miss her dearly. And all of you said amen. amen. Miss her playing, miss her singing, just miss her when she's not here. But because I love her, I'm going to devote myself to her. I'm not going to run around on her. I'm not going to cheat on her. Amen. I like what Brother Harold Hank said when he said I do to his wife. She couldn't, or he couldn't do any better, and she couldn't have done any worse. Amen. I'm the same exact category. Amen. I'm married up. I'm playing out of my league. 
Amen with her. But I'm committed to her. I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm not going to run around on her. I'm going to love her. I have pledged myself to, to my wife. Uh, amen. That same level of commitment must, uh, amen, uh, resonate in our hearts when we view our vows uh, and our bonds to Christ. Uh, because I love the Lord, uh, I'm going to be faithful to Him. Uh, I'm not going to run around on the weekends when I should be in the church house. Uh, amen. I'm going to be in His house faithfully uh, every service. Uh, I'm going to be faithful to His Word. Uh, I'm going to be faithful in prayer. I'm going to be faithful in worship and praise and duty and service. Why? Because I love Him. Amen. To knowing is to love Him. And to love Him is to serve Him. Amen. It is a privilege Amen. To be committed to this Christ. It is a privilege Amen. To be committed unto Him. And He to me. A lot of people look at church. Amen. With great dread. I have to go to church. I would rather be doing this. But I I've got to go to church, honey. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. Amen. I don't have to serve Him. Amen. But I want to serve Him. I don't have to pray, but I long to get into His presence. I don't have to get into His Word. Amen. But I want to hear Him talk to me. And if I want to hear His voice, I must get into His Word. That's not something that we should do. Amen. With a trepidatious heart. But it's something that we should do. Amen. Because we love Him. Because we are committed to Him. If you're going to stand in this evil hour, it is going to take a level of courage and it is going to take a level of commitment. Committed to this Christ. The Bible has a lot to say about the word commit. You do a word search on it and you look up that word commit, you're going to see reference after reference after reference. But most of it has to do with committing sin, committing fornication, committing adultery, committing whoredoms. Many times that's mentioned in the Old Testament as well as the New. But in 1 Peter, he wrote this in 4.16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Very similar to what Paul said in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. If any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. Verse number 19, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as a faithful Creator. Amen. Yes, Christians are going to suffer. I'm not here preaching that we're going through the, the great tribulation, honey. I'm looking for the first train out of here. Uh, the rapture of the church. I'm proudly, uh, amen, pre-tribulation rapture and not ashamed of it. Uh, amen. Uh, but we will face persecution. Uh, we will have to suffer through some things. Uh, but right in the midst of it, uh, amen, we are commanded to commit the keeping of our souls, uh, amen, to Him in well-doing as a faithful Creator. What He's saying uh, is no matter what happens, in this life remain committed don't let your commitments change don't let your commitments waver but as you say the vows to your wife amen and you wouldn't run around on her because you're committed let that same spirit of commitment grip your heart in your relationship with Christ amen no matter what happens no matter what we suffer no matter what evil comes our way let your commitment be firm You see, the problem with commitment nowadays is that it's too easily broken. If I've learned anything about commitment, commitments can change. Gone are the days of our word being our bond. We can commit to an opportunity today and if a better opportunity comes along tomorrow, see ya. Very little commitment on the job. Loyalty is a thing of yesterday. And too sadly, that's crept over into the church. We can commit ourselves to the Lord and following after Him, but we can change our mind midstream, do our own thing. The Bible says to the man that putteth his hand to the plow, turneth back, he is not fit for the kingdom of God. Commit yourself to this thing and don't ever change your mind. 
Amen. First Timothy, Paul writing, he said, I charge, this I charge, I commit unto thee, Timothy, according to the prophecies which were before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have, having put away concerning the faith, hath made shipwreck. According to Paul in these scriptures, we're to commit to three things. Number one, we are to commit to this warfare. Amen. This walk with God is not a yellow brick road. No, we're not going to have any problems or tribulations. No, we are fighting in a spiritual warfare. And every day of our lives, we're fighting for our lives. We're fighting for our family. Amen. We just have the consolation and the assurance. We're not fighting alone that He is fighting with us. But we're never to put our swords and our sheaths and just go about our merry way. No, but we're to fight the good fight of faith. He wrote to Timothy and he said, Now thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord. Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. Congratulations. If you're born again, you have just been enlisted into the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. An army that has never known defeat. An army that's not going down but soon and very soon is going to go up when the rapture takes place. Amen. We're already assured a victory church we just got to be willing to roll up our sleeves and fight the good fight of faith to be committed to our commanding officer which is the Lord Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the Alpha, the Omega the first and the last He is our commanding officer and as long as we commit to this cause we are guaranteed to be the victors not once or twice but every time every day if God be for us, then who can be against us? Committed to the warfare. Committed to the faith. There it again goes back. Our faith must be greater than our fears. Must be greater than what we experience. And he said, be committed to a good conscience. Listen, the only way that one can commit themselves to a good conscience is being free from sin. As long as there's acts of sin and disobedience, we can't lay our heads on our pillows at night with a good, clean conscience. But if we are pure before God and we walk with Him, we can have that good conscience committed to the faith. Third, not only... Is it going to take courage and commitment? But beloved, it will take the comforter. It is going to take the comforter. If we're going to stand in this evil day, we can't stand alone. We can't stand by ourselves. But John 14 says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give unto you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. I began to think about those scriptures. Out of all of the attributes of the Holy Ghost, and all of the, the attributes of Christ, when He's saying, I, I, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send unto you, could He have said another healer? Some other great attribute. But he chose that word, I believe, very carefully. I'm going to send unto you another comforter. He shall abide with you forever. As a matter of fact, he said in John 16, 7, it is expedient that I go away. For I, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. That word we know in the Greek is the word parakletos which means someone that is called to one side, called to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause with one. We know the Holy Ghost is all of those things and so much more. But when we think of that word comforter, I'm going to send unto you another comforter. I've come to realize that there's absolutely nothing in this life that can comfort my heart like the Holy Ghost can. Amen. 
Nothing can comfort us like the Holy Ghost can. And when, when I'm dealing with family that's experienced the loss of a loved one, I learned a long time ago, I can go in with some great theological saying that is eloquent, that is worded perfectly, that strikes the right tone and strikes the right balance. But my own words in that moment of grief has no power. There is nothing that I can say to a heart that's been broken in a million and one pieces. There's nothing I can do to calm that heart or bring any peace. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we do more harm than good by trying to do that. I was in the going in early on in ministry. Kirsten called me. I was at work. She called me. She said, is there any way you can get off? I said, no, not really. So what's going on? She said, I, I need you to come. She said, uh, um, husband and wife, they had just moved to this area. She found out she was expecting. And uh, they, they found out today that the baby was stillborn. And they are absolutely devastated. She called. She had visited a church before. And did what an indictment to the church. She called the church and to explain the situation, she said, I, I visited the church before. I, I just need somebody to come and pray with me. They got the pastor of the church on the line, and the pastor said, because you're not a member of our church, too busy. You can't come. Sad. I wish I were making that up, by the way. But I wasn't. I told Kirsten, I said, my schedule's clear. I'm on the way. I went in. Got my car, was driving to the hospital thinking, dear Lord, what in the world am I going to say to this family? Very few times have I struggled to have words, but I went into it saying, Lord, I've got nothing to say. And I, I walked into that room having absolutely nothing to say that would comfort their hearts. And the Lord just simply spoke to me and said, love them and pray. They're not going to listen to what you say. But if they can feel my presence, I am the only one that can comfort their hearts. I grabbed their hands. Never met the couple before in my life. As a matter of fact, I've never seen them since. Somebody asked me after the fact, they said, did you not try to get them to come to your church? I said, at that moment in time, I couldn't have cared less about them coming to my church. I just need the Lord to minister to their hearts. Heal their hearts. Amen. We began to pray. And if I've ever felt the Holy Ghost in my life. Amen. He settled down in that room. Did we shout and speak in tongues? Absolutely not. But that sweet comfort and power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You couldn't have buy it for a billion dollars. All the money Elon Musk and, and uh, different ones have. They can't purchase that. If they could, they wouldn't be. Uh, amen. Trying to uh, find things of this world to alleviate stress like they do. Uh, amen. But the sweet peace of the Holy Ghost. Uh, amen. I am thankful that He is a comforter uh, that's able to comfort my heart. There's been times uh, that I have been shaken right to the core uh, in that same manner. But it just takes a few moments uh, of getting alone in His presence. Uh, and the comfort and power of the Holy Ghost settles down uh, in that room and you find the peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. The Holy Ghost is that comforter as a matter of fact. Amen. You might be here tonight with a broken heart and a million and one pieces. Amen. And these words hitting you like peas off of a buckeye have no power. Amen. But I believe that the word, that the power, that the peace of the Holy Ghost can settle down. Amen. And not because of anything I say or not because of anything that I do, but because because of all that He is. Amen. This could be a life altering service. Amen. When the comfort and power of the Holy Ghost settles down and takes control. I thank God because He is a comforter. He's a shoulder that I can lean on. He's a shoulder I can cry on. But He's a shoulder also that will get down in the yoke with me. And is that paraclete that will come alongside and help me shoulder the load. And what I can't do in my own strength 
and in my own power. The Holy Ghost can get down on the yoke with me and I come out on the other side and I think, how in the world did I make it out? The fact is, I didn't make it out, but the Holy Ghost pulled me through and the Holy Ghost pulled me out. That is a picture of our great comforter. And because of that, you and I can take comfort tonight in a world full of chaos. There's comfort in the Holy Ghost tonight. Despite what the mainstream media will tell you. Despite what's happening on the political landscape. I'm closing with this. There's four reasons why we can take comfort in Him. Number one, He's with us. The fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ, He's done His work on Calvary. He came and died once and for all and He ascended to the right hand of the Father where He forever lives and makes intercessions for us. But the fact of the matter is, is the next time that His feet are going to step on this earth is when He comes back in judgment at the second return of, the return of Christ and His second coming. But every day, We've got the Holy Ghost walking alongside with us. Hallelujah. And what a comfort it is to know, amen, that He is with us day by day, every day of our lives. Number two, not only is He with us, but He has all power. In creation, amen, we see that it was the Spirit of God that moved and made things happen. I'm not here to tell you that the Holy Ghost is supreme over Christ and over God. I'm not. Amen. We believe in three eternal persons. Namely, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And those three are one. Amen. But the Bible says, Amen, this same Spirit which raised Christ from the dead, Amen, is alive on the inside of us. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. And when we feel powerless, when we feel impotent and we have nothing of our own strength or our own accord. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. Behold, I give unto you power. Hallelujah. Amen. Over all the things of the enemy. What is that church? It is the power of the Holy Ghost that He's given unto us. He is the power source for the church. And if we're going to stand in this evil day, it is going to be the comforter that that enables us to do it. Courage. Commitment. The comforter. We can take courage. And we can find solace. And comfort in knowing. That he is. Omniscient. Meaning the same way God knows all things. The Holy Ghost knows all things. Even the things. I don't. You see it's human nature. Men, we think we know everything. Women say amen. I only got one. But women, you like to think you know everything too. Men, say amen. amen. Got a few more on that one. The fact of the matter is, in our human frailty, we don't know everything. Here on the job, taking over work for another department, up to six now, in an area that I've never worked in before. I'm made to realize I surely don't know everything. But every day on that job, I go in with a prayer God, give me wisdom. I cannot do this, but you can. And my Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, Simply let him ask. And God will give unto him liberally and abradeth not. Amen. The one time, amen, it's okay to be liberal. Amen. It's all right. But thank God for liberal wisdom because there are some things in life I just don't know. But he knows all things. He knows all things. And Brother Eddie, that is a comfort to my heart. When I don't know the way, when I don't know the words, when I don't know how, He does. And if I walk with Him, 
He's going to lead me and guide me, not into error. But the Bible says He will lead me and guide me into all truth. All truth. Lastly, the last comfort that we have. Amen. I want you to look at it. I'm closing. I promise. I've said it three times. This is it. We can take comfort in knowing that He knows the way home. I don't know the direct path to get to heaven. I know the, the age old adage to get to heaven, just turn right and stay straight. And I believe that there's truth in that to some extent. But when that road we say has crooks and crannies and hollers, amen, and, and we can't see the other side, I, I, I don't know the exact pathway to get I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't make a miss. Understand what I'm trying to say. Amen. But I can't tell you exactly where heaven is at. I can't tell you exactly how to get there. But the Holy Ghost knows. Amen. And if I walk with Him every day of my life. Amen. There soon and very soon. Amen. This faith is going to end in sight. Amen. This old gravel road that we're walking on. That's full of exits and detours. Amen. That we've got to bypass. And stay committed to Christ. Amen. There soon and very soon when that path is going to end in streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. Friend, I don't know exactly how to get there directionally, but if I walk day by day with the Holy Ghost, if I walk lockstep and step by step with Him, He knows how to get there and He is going to lead us home. He is our GPS that tells us where to go that tells us how to get there, that knows how long it's going to take us to get there. Bless God. We were in New York. I took my darling wife as a Christmas present a couple years ago. We went out to eat at a great place. We were on the way back and she was expecting Hudson at the time and she decided about 10.30 at night she wanted banana pudding. I'm still closing. I'm getting there. So you know what we did? We Googled Best banana pudding. And uh, dear Lord, you're from the south. The best banana pudding in the world is down here, not in New York. <laughs> Just wait till we get home. Nope. So we go, take an Uber, get to where we needed to go just a couple of blocks down from the Empire State Building. She, we type it in, Google Maps, said it's a two-minute walk. I said, all right, we can get there. We walked. Around, walked around a block, came behind the building, following the directions to a T. We were in a back alley. I was just waiting for somebody to come out and shake me right there. And all of a sudden it says, arrived. There's just one problem. There's no door. There's no bakery. There's no banana pudding. I said, this thing has got to be wrong. So we, we walked around, made the block, and went back to our starting point. It came back on again. Two minute walk. We said maybe we took the wrong street. So we went off, did the walked around the building the second time. Sure enough, same exact spot. Arrived. Still no bakery. So we walked back to the front of the block where more people were at this point in time. A hockey game had just wrapped up at Madison Square Gardens. We were literally right across the street from Madison Square Garden. So there's 20,000 people exiting the arena. So I said. Let's follow the directions one more time. Third time, same exact thing. Walk around the building, got into a back alley. It says arrive, still no bakery. My darling, beautiful wife, I'm bragging on her like crazy tonight. I guess I miss her so much. But she had this genius idea. Why don't we ask somebody? I said, you know, that's a pretty good idea. We got 20,000 people to choose from that's coming out of the arena. So we... Ask somebody, what about this bakery? And they said, yeah, we know exactly where that's at. I said, where, where is it? They said, it's inside this building. I said, well, we've walked around it three times. It says that we've arrived. They said, no, it's underground. In a subway station. So when we were hearing the word arrive, we were just two stories too high above ground. It was underground. Amen. But bless God, after three trips around and an hour later, we got that banana pudding. Amen. Exactly like she wanted. Amen. You see, our GPS is awesome. It can get us where we need to go 95% of the time. But there's some things that it don't account for, like bakeries being underground. 
and telling us exactly how to get there. You see, hallelujah, our GPS is, uh, has limitations. Uh, but can I tell you, the Holy Ghost, uh, hallelujah, He has no limitations. Uh, he knows exactly where He's going. Uh, he's been there, uh, hallelujah. And if I just walk with Him day by day, uh, with courage, with commitment, uh, hand in hand with Him, uh, this faith is going to end in sight. Uh, and He will lead and guide us all the way home uh, without missing a step, uh, without missing a a beat uh, without taking a detour. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to compromise uh, and throw in the towel and quit. Uh, I'm just going to walk with a comforter. Uh, I'm just going to walk with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and He uh, is going to lead and guide us uh, all the way home. Uh, if we'll stand uh, and walk with Him. Yeah. It sounds so simple. But sometimes, practically, when we put it into practice, it's a lot harder to do. But if we do it, hallelujah, He's with us every step of the way. Stand. What's it going to take for you to stand in this hour? Courage. Commitment in the comfort. Stand with us all over the building. I'm done. Hallelujah. It's just a simple message tonight. Nothing profound. But I want to encourage somebody. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're facing fear. Maybe you're facing something unknown. Maybe you wake up in the morning with anxiety and your knees are knocking. Amen. Stand courageously. It's not the absence of fear. But it's knowing the cause you're fighting for. It's greater than the fear. Hell throws your way. Maybe it needs you need to recommit yourself to Christ. Amen. Or maybe it's to change directions. Amen. And begin to walk hand in hand with the Holy Ghost instead of resisting and pushing against Him. I don't know where you are tonight. But I know if you're going to stand, Amen, it's going to take all of the above. And He's given you tonight the strength to do it. Amen, could you find your place to pray in this altar tonight? Amen, I know we don't have a piano player. Amen, she sings like an angel. I don't. Amen, we're popping music in. Amen, but can we come tonight for a season of prayer? around this altar. The Holy Ghost knows no restrictions. He knows no bounds. Amen. But there's liberty in Him tonight. Hallelujah. Would you come? Amen. Pray with us tonight. Oh my God. My God. My God. Oh my God. My God. My God. Oh God. In Your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.